Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Will McNamara and Garrett Jacobs Meyer this week. Joey's on vacation. How are we doing? Not good. Not great. I'm doing all right. I'm happy to be with you, boys. I, I was calling this the funeral for the Red Sox because I, I declared it yesterday after the loss to the Blue Jays 13 to 1. It was the death of the Red Sox. Time of death, August 6th, 2023. Um,. We went into this Blue Jays series knowing that it was going to be probably the biggest series of the season. They were the team that, at the time, you're only a game back in the wild card race from, and they'd been undefeated against the Blue Jays all season, so it was a perfect opportunity to jump into that third spot in the wild card. However, it did not really go as planned at all. Uh, they got swept, and they've lost four straight, dating back to that loss in the finale in the Mariners series. So now the Red Sox are five games back in the wild card with a few teams ahead of them. And it's not looking so great because not only did we get swept by the Blue Jays, we lost badly. James Paxton, one of the best starters in your rotation, got lit up. Uh, your offense was, was not clutch. It was pretty dead. They only scored eight runs in the three games. Meanwhile, they gave up 26 runs or 25 runs. Uh, 13 of those in the Sunday finale. Uh, yeah, not not good at all. You made a lot of errors out there too. Red Sox still lead the MLB in errors. How do we feel about this team uh, as a playoff contender? Are we kind of out on them or do they still have a chance? So I find it hard to think about this team in any other way other than that signal at the deadline where you didn't go kind of in, you didn't really make anything that can bring you over that um, hump. You sort of get the idea that either the the management thought that the team was good enough to make the playoffs at the time where they were, which honestly, we couldn't have seen this Blue Jays series coming, or at least we shouldn't expect the management to do so as well, right? This is not what should have happened, no. Absolutely not. Um, but you don't make that extra move, so it almost seems like, yeah, now as we sit today, you're almost dead floating in the water. Um. You know, your gamble didn't work off. You spent less money, and you didn't win any games. Yeah, I mean, same kind of thing. All these past, I mean, the past, what, like four or five episodes we've been talking, all right, are we going to sell or are we going to buy? And front office just sat here and did nothing. They said, this is what we're going to go with because we don't want to lose value or we don't want to get better. I mean, they really just told the team that they're going to give up on their season and now I think, honestly, the team might be giving up on the front office. You know, and I almost, you think about, I, I agree with you, Will, but also these players, I mean, you, you sit there as Heim Bloom. These guys should be playing better than they are right now, at least. Um, and you have some guys coming back from injury, right? Um, you got Sale and, and hopefully Story coming back. You know, we'll see what, what shape he's in. Yeah, but you will, I almost find it difficult to fully blame those guys for being like we we should be able to perform a little bit better than this at this moment. Yeah, I mean you have Story coming back tomorrow. Sale's supposed to be back on Friday. You have Hauk and Whitlock rehabbing. I think Hauk and Whitlock are honestly going to help the most depending on how they perform. Tanner Hauk did not look good in his first rehab outing though. He only like I think he maxed at like 91, 92 on his fastball and, and did not have a good outing. Whitlock was better. His velocity was up. Regardless, though, pitching depth is the problem. That's what we wanted at the trade deadline and didn't get. And that's what, again, showed his ugly face in this Blue Jays series. Game one, Paxton was, I don't know what was wrong with him. First pitch was a homer. Second pitch was a deep fly out. And then fourth pitch was a homer. He just kept giving up rocket homers for whatever reason. 
Ended up only going five with nine hits allowed, four runs, three homers. And then after him, this guy, Lovera, Yovera, however you pronounce his name, is probably one of the worst pitchers that I've seen. I, I We've had our fair share of awful pitchers in the past three or so years. But this guy just stinks. He's not giving us anything. Joe Jakes, actually it was decent in that game, but he's still no good. Richard Blyer, thank God he's DFA'd. Breaking news there because uh, he was not giving you anything. It's the pitching depth that is killing this team. So hopefully Chris Sale and Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock can help that. Um, but without the, the any acquisitions at the trade deadline, you're kind of stuck with the guys that you have. So if Chris Sale comes back on Friday, gets hurt again, you're done. He's out. If Tanner Howe can't figure it out and he's bad the rest of the season, you're out that starter, that reliever. Garrett Whitlock, they're going to put in the bullpen. I think that is really, really going to help the bullpen. I love that play. Yeah, I mean, that's where he's been the most elite and the most dominant was in the bullpen. That's where we need uh, a guy like him who can eat multiple innings. So you're not having to go to a guy like Joe Jakes in the eighth inning in a one-run game, which I swear happened. Um, it's, it's, It's encouraging to get those guys back, but... It begs the question after this Blue Jays series, is it too late in a way? Because now you're five games back in that wild card race, and that's a, a heavy margin to make up. I believe that the Red Sox only gained three games over a month on the Blue Jays, and they had a great opportunity to really push that further the series, and they didn't. Um, another part of the problem for the Red Sox, too, is the defensive mistakes and the mental mistakes. There's a very significant moment that happened in this series that we're going to get to in a minute with Reese McGuire, but... This team has been plagued by defensive miscues and mental mistakes that have really hurt them. They have 77 errors, which leads the MLB. And the other teams up there in that, in that conversation, I think it's like the Pirates, the Tigers, the A's, like all bad teams. So I, Trevor Story is going to help the infield defense a lot, but I don't know what to do about these defensive problems. Yeah, it's just it, – I feel like it's just going to be going back to it every single time, like, we needed to make moves at this deadline and the thing you were saying earlier with Paxton you know getting lit up I mean his last start before that he didn't throw well either so yeah, I he's mean, gonna look good in a little bit now this is this is where you look and say wow this might come back to bite us because we definitely could have dealt Paxton for an yes, MLB caliber player not for too. prospects when his value was higher like we could have used him to get someone who can either shore up our defense or make waves in the bullpen I mean, or even a prospect, some value back. Anything, Because right now, if you finish this season, you miss the playoffs, it's going to be the same exact thing that happened last year when you didn't sell Bogarts, Evaldi, JD, and Waka, and you get no one back from them, and they just leave. Like That's kind of what you're setting yourself up with James Paxton. I mean, this is the whole point of buying or selling. Either you buy and you have James Paxton to make a playoff run, or you sell and you trade him when his value is high and you get something back in return. Right now, you didn't sell him and you didn't buy, and so you're just kind of... You're just floating in the boat down the river, hoping that you can make it to the playoffs. But at this rate, we're not on pace to. Our playoff hopes percentage on fan graphs was at like 36, 37 before the Blue Jays series. Now it's at 11. So the odds are against us. We're not in a spot where we're like likely to make the playoffs. So I, I think in that case with Paxton specifically, I mean, he himself is a gamble. Like you're going to get dealt his his hand anyway. Um you know, he hasn't been well now, but he is – we don't exactly know what we're going to get from him moving forward. And if the team is sort of seeing this year as, oh, we are out of it, or they didn't make that move to kind of put him over the hump, maybe they're, they're okay being under the hump for a moment. I, I guess I, it doesn't seem like management had any faith in this team. If they did, they would have made a move. Well, that's what their actions showed is that they didn't For sure. Faith. Yeah. 
but well, I mean, the whole underdog <laughs> mentality thing, like we like that's to be absurd. underdogs. That, that's absurd. And also, it, it like it, you can't expect the team to just perform super well to prove the management wrong, and then management just continues doing what they're doing. Like they're, they, they're ideologically opposed, and you can't expect the Red Sox players or Alex Cora to be in this fantastic hoorah mindset and not just get. You know, I, I listen to Cora's soundbite about um, Verdugo. No one's happy. You can't expect yeah. them to be. Otherwise, you get errors. You get this. You get a bunch of feeling errors. But you you played someone who can't play shortstop at shortstop the entire year. Um, it's it, they're they're totally ideologically opposed. You can't expect the team to do anything if you're going to give up on the team above their head. Well, yeah. I mean, the that, definition of underdog is you're not that good. <laughs> that that's absurd. And, <laughs> that's crazy. And getting back to that soundbite about Verdugo from Cora, I mean, that was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard from a big league manager. He was available to play, but he was not ready to play, so or to, vice versa. I don't know. Yeah, let's which get it into was. that. Like, I, what does that even mean? If he is ready or available, then you play him. I, it was a discipline thing. So what happened is that the sources came out after that saying that Verdugo showed up only two hours before game time. So batting practice ends for both teams an hour and a half before batting practice before the game time. So the Red Sox one ends before that. Verdugo would have missed batting practice. You're supposed to show up as a player at least four hours before many show up more and based on how things have gone this season it's not the first time Verdugo has been benched it I would he's, guess he be it here. probably wasn't the first occurrence of this too yeah um yeah maybe he doesn't want to be here maybe he's not taking things seriously I, he doesn't want to be here I mean was it the same way before have we had these problems with him before I guess I don't recall it's a genuine question but I don't remember anything quite like this I don't remember with anything Verdugo. coming out like this no but and I, he is in a contract year right yeah, there's something between Cora and Verdugo, though, because uh, I think in the offseason, Verdugo was called out by Alex Cora pretty harshly, saying that he needs to be better. And Verdugo took it well, and he kind of took it as a challenge. Verdugo said in his press conference uh, a few days ago that he likes being, he likes the hard love from Cora. Like, it, it was he thri- it's what he thrives with. But um, when asked about the whole situation, Verdugo was like, I respect the manager's decision. He's He's the guy who's here to make the decisions it's it's his word that goes and he was like well do we see eye to eye all the time no but i respect his decision so clearly there's something kind of between cora and verdugo like kind of a, a difference of opinions visions or whatever but at the end of the day you're a major league baseball player you got to show up on time i think the bottom line is good teams don't have these problems straight up that too um, yep like that's the, the first thing i have to say the other thing is they can have their drama. Verdugo's going to say whatever he can to make himself look whatever way he wants in the media. I would say if I was a professional ball player, I would, like, Mr. Clean everything I say out to the media. You you know, you try to be perfect. You try to be whatever. It's a little bit trickier for managers who don't who have to, like, answer the I made decision. Why? Yeah. That's why uh, Cora had the sort of reaction he did. Um, and I don't know if you guys, uh, like, listened to the audio or just read um, Cora's sort of spiel about that. Um, something that I noticed was he kept saying, like, it's my job to deal with the 32 guys on the field or uh, whatever, what, like 32 guys. It's my job to deal with them. Uh, he kept he like hammering this number, 36, sorry. He's like, 36 guys, 36, 26. like 26. 26. <laughs> I, 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 I percent, why do I have 32 in my head? Yeah, 26 uh, guys. He has a handle yeah. these guys. He said it over and over and over and over. And I was sort of sitting, I'm like. He was he's, clearly upset though. But he's probably, he, he's upset at Verdugo, but he's probably, he, he probably wanted someone or something, right? You don't. He's probably upset with the roster construction yeah, at this mean, moment. I don't know. Well, he's been you, upset with the roster construction all year. It seems like he was straight up being like, "I could only do with I could only deal with what you give me." Like you, yeah. Ne- like yeah. I mean, you know, you, which which was seemed like very obvious. If I'm sitting here 
and could figure it out. He called it the worst day he's had with the organization since 2018, yeah, since why? he joined the why? team. Because he made the decision. I mean, that was it's the like, same day the where we had two errors, that? too, and it was just a bad game. Okay, the, yeah. the drama with Redugo, I think he's upset the Red Sox didn't get him any help at the deadline. I mean, if I were Alex Cora, I'd probably be miserable. I mean, this team would make me want to pull all my hair out. He doesn't have any hair to begin with, so <laughs> I don't know what he's doing there in the dugout. Um, but, yeah, when there's drama in the clubhouse on top of a team not playing well, it's just a mess. His So, the, so what happened was in his press conference – Core was very upset, and everyone's asking him why Verdugo was scratched. He was scratched from the lineup about an hour and a half or so before the game. Um, and Core was like, manager's decision, manager's decision. It was my decision, manager's decision. He kept saying that over and over. over, and over and he was yeah. like, uh, he was ready to play, but he wasn't available. I decided he wasn't going to play. We need all 26 guys available every day. That was a big thing that he said, like you were talking about, how he was like, we need the analysts, we need the players, we need the clubhouse staff, we need the dugout coaches, we need everyone available every single day. And... Uh, I decided he wasn't going to be available today. And it comes out that it was about being late or whatever. Is there, Maybe more, there was do you have more? more to that quote or just that? That was the main part of the quote. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I was just sort of ranting about the – Yeah, he, he just continues. Was, he said, <laughs> we took a step back as a team today, called it one of the worst days he's had since taking over in 2018. Yeah. Uh, when Verdugo was asked about it, he was specifically asked, uh, were you late today? And he said no. Right to the media. There was like a little hesitation before he said it, so it was a little weird. Turns out he was late, so he lied to the media well, there. Well, well, whatever. Well, well, if you want to keep it in house, that's whatever. But you got to take some accountability. It's probably in some like, way. what do you mean by late? You know what I mean? Like every Maybe this he guy, was like, this yeah, guy I does it. I was on time. You know, this Cora guy does it. Late. It gets away with it. This happened. Like everyone's late. Why do I get yelled at for this one thing? It sucks having to speculate on this stuff. Yeah. But that's I, what you get. They talk to the media. The I, biggest thing is what you said, how good teams don't have this problem. I, I mean, this stuff comes out at seemingly our worst point of the season. It just kind of all snowballs and piles on. And I think that adds to why I think the, the season's kind of a lost cause at this point, is when you start having these clubhouse problems and management problems, it's just not going to be your year when that stuff is going on. Yeah, I mean, it shows the rest of the league that you're not serious about this season when you're outward in the media your manager and one of your cornerstone players are infighting in the clubhouse like this is just like showing the league that this team is falling apart from the inside and no other like these teams don't have to try to beat us because we're beating ourselves I mean, yeah, and it's one thing if... So this was the Saturday game, game two against the Blue Jays. It's one thing if you go out the next day, you bounce back, new <laughs> mindset, and you blow them out. But they lose 13-1 to and have Pablo Reyes on the mound by the end of it. That's kind of the worst way to respond to something like this and just another nail in the coffin almost for this team. Um, again, the fourth straight loss, and they're going to be playing the Royals in a few minutes tonight starting a four-game set with them. But I, I don't know if this is a team that can be saved at this point. And I think um, the, the errors and mistakes I want to talk a little bit more about because that really is a big problem for this team. You talked about how we started the year without a real shortstop. You have Kiki out there. Obviously, that really inflated our errors number because he leads the league in errors. Yeah. But then you have some other guys making errors too. Rafael Devers has somehow regressed at third base and has been a lot worse defensively. That's really hurt us. He's making some routine plays just look like a mess out there. He's throwing errors, fielding errors, whatever. You have Casas has made some mental mistakes out there. Um, in the outfield, Jaron Duran yesterday dropped a, a ball and two runs ended up scoring because of it. It's a hard play, but still, it's a ball that was a, a couple inches away from his glove and he should have caught. He owned up to it, which is good to see. But the defensive miscues on this team have really hurt us. It's, it's how uh, a one-run inning can turn into a five-run inning or a two-run ball game can turn into a blowout. They are difference makers in these games. One of the biggest difference makers, 
um, was in that Saturday game, game two, before all this press conference stuff with Verdugo and Cora came out, the way that we lost that game was horrible. So you're down in the game. It's a ninth inning, and you're starting to make a comeback. You get three straight hits in the ninth, <laughs> bottom of the ninth, and you score a run to make it a one-run ball game. Then you got runners on first and second uh, with one out, Connor Wong up to bat, deep, fl- deep, deep drive to center field, okay, back at the wall. And I think everyone thought it was a homer. I know we thought it was a homer watching the game. Um, the pitcher thought it was a homer. He was walking off with his head down. And Reese McGuire definitely thought it was a homer because the <laughs> second the ball was hit, he had his arm up celebrating it like they just won the game, and he's trotting towards third base, and Carlos Fables is waving him and like, go score. It's going to be off the wall. Go score. And Kevin Kiermaier catches it, and they double off Reese McGuire without any issue to end the game. That's how the game ends. There's a lot of, a lot of fault to be thrown around in this one. Carlos Fables, the third base coach, he's the guy that's in charge of that exact thing not happening. Yeah. He's the guy that's supposed if, Even if Reese McGuire is celebrating, that's a mistake in his own. But if he's doing that, whatever. Carlos Fables is going to be like, all right, go, no, go tag up, tag up, tag up. At least sit halfway. That's what you're supposed to do in that situation. That's baseball fundamentals. You sit halfway. If it's off the wall, you're scoring anyways easily. You're if scoring it's caught, if you it, go back. If it drops, you're there halfway if it drops anyway. Exactly. Like, off the wall, you're, you're good. Regardless. So if you're halfway, that's where you're set up to either you can go in and score and tie the game very easily, or you can get back to second base and have two outs and two runners on still for the next guy. It also doesn't make sense. Reason why, I, correct me if I'm wrong, was on second base, yeah. right? He wasn't on first. The guy no. in second... The guy in first is whatever because you you have more first you have more time to get back but also your job matters less because yeah. you're not going to be the one that's getting doubled up. He was a guy in second base. He had the run, even if it like, he just didn't have to run. If he went yeah. halfway, he had the run. So you can make the argument you're like, oh, he, they, you know, even if it, if it hit the wall, he wouldn't have scored if he didn't like keep going. He he had the run. He was around third when the ball was caught. Even if he was halfway, he had the run. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, the three, the three outcomes here is it's gone, you win. It's off the wall, you should, you'd score, or it's without without having to go, without having to move all the way. In to third none base. of those scenarios, you In have to pass any third. scenario. None of those. Yet, that's it's, what he did. It's base running one hundred and one. And these are professional baseball players that don't know this. So yeah, this, this is the stuff that happens in like high school and college. This maybe happens even in the little league. league. This yeah, was before I, the court. The the um, this was the thing? same game, but it was right like right. Before so it was the that. same game. Yeah, okay. This is this well, is why Cora came off hot and upset, and it was just a whole mess. But yeah, but here you are, Cora, trying to discipline, 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 discipline. We got to work. He doesn't, so, have, he doesn't have discipline. Yeah, like you're, you're. It's a farce, you know. You pretend to the media, you do all that thing with Verdugo, and then there, you, the product that you have on the field that you're all so confident in, so confident that you bench the other guy. Here he is. You ain't got discipline, man. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, they had two hours earlier in that game too. So, I guess the question that I have, and I don't know the answer to, is how much of this is on the players and how much is on the coaching staff? Like, what do you do to fix this? The Red Sox have been having defensive problems for years, it seems. Like, I know they got Trevor Story to kind of fix that in the infield, but it's coming from everywhere. It's coming. This has been a terrible team when it comes to base running for years, too. Like, I don't know how you fix this. I I mean, if this was high school, your coach would probably scream at you and swear at you and make you stay late for practice, but well, these are big league players, like you said. Thing. Yeah, they're big league players. You're not going to spend... You're not going to waste hours at practice doing base running drills. Well, there shouldn't These be any. Players should know this, right? There shouldn't be any level of teaching. Like they're, they're, they don't need to be taught. They need to know this and do it. They need to execute it correctly. Well, the answer I I think to me I think about a lot of it is um, 
like lack of leadership or lack of like some sort of um, culture to be that glue that brings you in when your manager does it. Like, you know, Bogarts wasn't the best defender in the entire world, but the standard that's set there is set by your your cornerstone piece, Rafael Devers, who can't. He seems to have gotten worse. Yeah, I mean, when your best player is one of the most defensive liabilities on the team, that's not really great. And, that's and a good think point, back to when they won the World Series, who was their best player, and he was incredible out in right Mookie field. Best, yeah, so, gold glove winner. I mean, but, even Justin Turner's not great defensively. He's your DH most of the time. That's just, a good point I didn't really consider. It just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of like like leadership from inside the team, which makes sense yeah. because, one, you don't have a vision, really. I don't think they have an identify we're going to – like, what's your pitch to Verdugo? So ignore all the drama. Is it you want to be around for us moving forward? Or is it we're going to middle out for the next few years like we have for these? You know, I, I just don't think you have a pitch to those guys. Yeah. Because you don't have a vision. You don't have a, a we're gonna we're good now, so we're going to buy, or we're going to, like, clearly move on. You don't have a vision. What's your pitch to that kind of guy? So you just get lethargic. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? This offseason, there were multiple times where the Red Sox tried to sign someone, and they offered them more money than another team. And they're just like, not. Nah, we'll take the other team. Well, like, is Cora that guy? I guess I, I, I don't know him personally. So, you know, I missed him at Kimball's Farm that one time. <laughs> yeah, he was there. But you, you, you know, what do, what do players really think of this guy? I, I don't know. I, I mean, Cora is known as a player's manager. Like, that's that's been thrown around since we signed him. And it's definitely true to some degree. Like, I, I think he has a great relationship with a lot of the players. However... I mean, this is coming totally from how I feel and what I see. I don't know if there's anything to back this up. I feel like he kind of picks favorites in a way. Like, I feel like certain guys he'll favor over other guys, and I, I, that's probably not great for a clubhouse chemistry. I don't know if that's happening. That's just kind of a, a feeling that I get, maybe. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there is a problem kind of feeling a, a community in the team, like a collective feeling. But I guess I hope the I hope he's clear. I hope he, the expectations are clear. The Verdugo thing spooks me about his expectations being clear. I was on time. No, you well, weren't. I mean, like, yeah. you know, wh- where and, – and he has so many decisions. You know, my expectations, you're a lefty guy. You're only going to bat against lefties. Like, even stuff like that, you know, matters to the players. And you have to have a lot of faith that he's doing it for a reason and he's doing it – to better the team yeah i mean that communication in, in any leadership position is huge and, and we, we don't know but the cracks are showing a little bit with the verdugo thing you know like like what kind of players coach is he it just doesn't seem fantastic. well the other thing too is like we're in august now and defense has been a major problem throughout the whole year so they're not fixing it they're not getting better defensively so he's not doing anything that's helping them work on that right now like i i don't know I mean, after this Blue Jays series and everything that's gone on, they need some kind of reset. They need one of those speeches where closed doors meeting, all team meeting, where Cora's like, all right, guys, we need to put the past behind us. We still have a chance here. If, if that's even what they're going for, we still have a chance here. Tomorrow is day one. All right, let's just have a clean day. Forget about the past. Forget about the week. Clean day. Today, against the Royals tonight, no errors, no base running mistakes. Let's have a clean game. And just kind of piece together each day by day by day and try to build together a string of clean games. Um, but I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if it's enough to help them. I mean, in a way, I mean, if you want to have that meeting, though, you have to have that now. There are 51 games left in the season. And well, we are five it would have had to happen earlier spot. today. Like, it would have had yeah. to already happen. We're, we're five games out of a spot, and we have fifty, basically 50 games left after tonight. Yeah, so, I mean, tonight is the night. If you're going to get back on track, tonight's the night because you have Brian Bayo pitching, your ace. You're back in the yellow jerseys. 
where you're supposed to play well in those. New series against a really bad Royals team that you have to take advantage of, and you're at home. Like, you're not on the road for this. Tonight, it's Monday, too. Beginning of the week. Tonight is the night to take advantage of this, this fresh start in a way, all these things kind of lining up. And if they really, if you want to be positive for a second and say they still have a shot at the playoffs, it needs to begin tonight. They need to win tonight, get Trevor Story back to energize the team, Chris Sale back, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock back, let's roll. But they really are running out of time because this is a four-game series against the Royals. Four wins here against a really bad team, and then they play the Tigers too. So that's seven games at home against bad teams. If you take advantage of that, it could put you in a really good spot. If you continue to fail and struggle, I think you're going to be out of it after this home stretch. Realistically, we need to win six of those seven. I agree. I, I don't even know if you need to win that much. I think this team has a lot of talent, to be totally honest, um, especially with those guys you mentioned back. There's just a lot of question marks, though. Uh, sure. But if they're ever going to do it, I think they can. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think they're, they're completely deaf. Deaf dead yet um you know you, you we pronounce them dead i don't know if if i'm done making my tombstone i'm still thinking of an epitaph i think they we're just a, getting it ready you know you can like buy them ahead of time pre-order a tombstone or whatever that's kind of what we're doing <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's gonna happen now it's gonna happen now. no i mean there's definitely still a shot but the the wheels need to start turning right now i and just want the yankees to be worse than us Fair. To be honest, yeah, no, it's I'm like in, I'm in on that. they're above us now, aren't they? Are we tied? Half a game. They're half a game up. Half a game yeah. up. Man, man, that's like <laughs> all I want, dude. To be honest. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I just noticed that on Wednesday against the Royals is Kike Hernandez World Baseball Classic bobblehead night. Wednesday, <laughs> this Wednesday. He's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> no way, really. What are they gonna do about that? <laughs> no, this went this Wednesday's uh, Jerry Garcia Jerry Garcia tribute night. Well, it's also Kiki Hernandez bobblehead night. Yeah, if anyone <laughs> if anyone is uh, listening, they're handing out Jerry Garcia jerseys to like you have to buy like a forty dollar ticket or something. I'm trying to to I counteract to the bobblehead thing. Yeah, I, I think that yeah, but it's it's Jerry Garcia's um, the day he died, so or memory of it. You're uh, you're gonna laugh at this. Um, I don't know if I should say this, but I didn't know who uh, Jerry Garcia was. That's I saw the right. commercial for it. I'm like, yo, is that who the Cherry Garcia, the Ben and Jerry's, is named after? <laughs> Yeah, well, whatever. He's. I but I know him. now. I know now. I love um, Jerry Garcia. He's, yeah, my family. They call these the days in between. The days between between his birthday and the day he died. The nine there you days. Go. So. <laughs> well, if you want to go to that Red Sox game and get a Kiki Hernandez bobblehead, um, I'm or, curious what they're gonna do about that. I wonder I if mean, they switched it. Change the nameplates. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> you just give just it change the name on all of them. <laughs> it's Trevor Story, so like someone I don't know, whoever it looks like. I mean, bobbleheads they don't look exactly like yeah. the players. You can pass it off as anyone. You could stick with the Grateful Dead theme. I they mean, have, well, like these bears, you could just remove their heads and put bears. like well, a bear. Well, the W a bear head on top of it, it just has the same jersey. Reuse the bobbleheads. <laughs> the WBC part of it might be problematic because uh, it'd probably be a Puerto Rico theme. So I don't think you can just toss like Chris Sale on there. <laughs> Wouldn't be great. It wouldn't fit. <laughs> or That's Justin Turner. That's pretty fun. <laughs> the red beard. Uh, yeah, but if you want to get that bobblehead or go to any of these games uh, in the remaining season, then SeatGeek is the place for you because SeatGeek is the best ticket provider out there for all sports, concerts, shows, and more. They make buying tickets easy by grading every ticket price so you know you're getting the best deal. And they provide a view from your seat so you can pick the perfect seats to any event. And you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. Oh, no, Joey's not here. D-U-G-O-U-T. Dugout. 
You are the mm. worst. I thought we were going to say it at the same time. My bad. Whatever, man. <laughs> Uh, a little more uh, talk about the trade deadline. Something that came out a few days ago, I believe it was from Ken Rosenthal. Um, I don't know that for sure. I'm giving credit where I don't know. But whatever. <laughs> Justin Turner was almost traded to the Marlins. Heimblum, they were very close. The Marlins thought at one point they were going to get Justin Turner. Um, what? <laughs> what are we doing? If you're trading the veteran face of your team the leader of your team there's no doubt about it at this point that justin turner is the leader of the boston red sox clutchest and player on our roster clutchest player he's getting an rbi every single night if you want to lock for a bet bet justin turner or any over rbi over half or rbi whatever they were going to trade justin turner i don't i couldn't think of a worse move for this team than trading justin turner i just think they're they're out of it they why do you need vet, veteran leadership if you ain't gonna well, have to no, win that, anything, even a bad team needs veteran leadership for the young guys. You want Justin Turner? I don't care if this team was uh, a thousand games out of the wild card. Justin Turner, you still want here to be a leader. For Duran has talked about how big of an impact he's had on him. I'm sure he's been great for Casas too. All the young guys. I'm sure he he's been good for pretty much every player on this team in different ways he's helped guys through their their swing problems he's helped guys when they have a slump to be like it's okay it happens at the major league level he's helped guys adjust to the major leagues he's been a huge part of this team in so many ways on and off the field whether it's he's driving in the rbis that's huge from a veteran leader whether it's mentoring the young guys whether it's being out in the community doing things for boston i know whenever i've noticed whenever they do the uh, hats off the heroes at fenway park justin turner every single time Goes down the line, shakes the hand with the guy, shakes hands with the guys, and gives him a signed ball. He does that for every single guy, every single time. The impact and value that this guy has for the Boston Red Sox does not show up on stat sheets fully. I mean, his stats are great, but it doesn't show up there entirely. And, and there couldn't be a worse move for tra- than training Justin Turner. I know they didn't do it, so maybe we're getting upset about nothing. Like obviously, Heim Bloom pulled the plug on that. But the fact that that he was even out there. If Heim Bloom got a call and a team's like, hey, we want Justin Turner, he should have just hung up the phone. There shouldn't even been another word said on that. Like, there's no reason to trade Justin Turner, no value, no point. It would have been – it would if they traded Justin Turner, that would have been the season there. It would have been ended that day. I just don't know how the Red Sox can be seen as any kind of close to an attractive place to be or an attractive place to play or somewhere that a prospective incoming free agent could be happy or confident being. You have like very cutthroat sort of. Um, if we can get some value for you, we're gonna trade. Well, they can that. change that though. I think firing Heim Bloom, shaking things up in the dugout dugout coaching could really change that. No, fair. Because say Heim Bloom's out of here and you get a, a GM focused on winning. Okay, whether Cora stays, you get a different manager. Cora is focused on winning too. You still think that that you don't think that that an uh, incoming guy thinks that those are both paired. Like I'm gonna get more of the same if I get just core i'm gonna get more of the same if i just get just time i don't know how you i'm I mean, a fan, core wants I'm a to fan win. Of, of cleaning cleaning both guys out at this point you need you need almost ideologically agreeing to move our chess piece forward horse to b7 well like whether now. whether it's core or it's someone else i think there needs to be um a common understanding of what the team is trying to do uh, there's a big disconnect right now that we've talked about with core and heim bloom about where the team is going and what they're trying to do so whether it's Cora that stays or they bring in someone else 
they need to be on the same page, the GM and the manager, about what this team is and what their identity is and what they're trying to do. You think Core is good enough at this point with the player management, tantrum management, whatever it is, um, errors on the field, on the on-the-field stuff? I just have... Con- like I, I think pitch, there's pitching management. I've been consistently yeah. disappointed. His bullpen management his has bullpen been management bad. is atrocious. You know, like you you think it's it's top down, but I do think that they have talent, and I do think that there's some reason that they haven't been performing to that level. Yeah. No, they definitely have talent, and I think you're right. I mean, there's there's a chance that he's really not using this team in the right way. I mean, the bullpen management is its own it's thing. It's bad. You it's see, really bad. like. A few weeks ago, you get Bernardino followed by Pavetta. Like three straight times, they both go out and shove. That's your World Series and game now one pair. You open with Bernardino and you put in Murphy, and he gets lit up. You're mi- mixing up things that shouldn't S- be mixed up. Stop <laughs> changing it. And then the other thing that just really frustrates me is the the righty lefty mentality. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter. In a year They're like professional this, professional ball players, yeah. they can hit both arms. I mean, my point with that has always been, like, this isn't... We're not the Atlanta Braves where we're World Series favorite and we're going for the World Series. It's This is more where you want to develop your young guys. Like, if you're going with the whole Bloom, the future vision, and this year we're going to get what we get type thing, like, this is not the end goal, then you want your young guys developing as best as they can. And two of those guys are lefties. It's Duran and Casas. So if you want those guys to develop, they have to hit left-handed pitching. If they're going to be your everyday starters... They can't be sitting every few days when a left-hander's starting the game. Like I like get today, we're like facing today. we're facing a lefty tonight with a 4.33 ERA and a, a WHIP of 1.34. It's not and Randy Johnson. And out you're there. gonna sit Jaron Duran, one of the best hitters on our team right now. Spark and plug. you're gonna sit Tristan Casas, who was literally Beast. the rookie of the month for July and one of the best hitters in the league right now. He's on fire. Yeah, there's no need. Yeah, I plus I, I don't know. I, I think that core is kind of on this whole every game matters thing, but I, I don't think Adam Duvall has given you much that Tristan Casas won't. Tristan Casas is going to give you more. Correction, Casas is playing tonight. Okay. <laughs> Verdugo is the other one that's sitting, but that's fine. I don't care. Whatever. But the general point, though, Duvall has been awful since he's come back from the IL. He was batting 189 since coming off the IL a few days ago. I don't know what it is now. It's probably not much better. Uh, Rob Refsnyder, before people get upset, Rob Refsnyder needs to be in there against every lefty. Yep. Like, that's fine because that dude mashes lefties. He's batting like 340 or something against lefties, so that's fine. But there's different guys that you can get in there, different ways that you can mix it up, and we can nitpick all we want the lineups, but at the end of the day, they do matter. Like, who you have out there on the field is, I mean, obviously going to contribute to what happens in the game. Um, looking at the lineup right now, I like the Justin Turner at second thing. So you can put, I don't know, whatever. But the general concept is you got to put your best guys out there every single game, especially in a playoff race or what was a playoff race. Um, I got kind of, I'm over that. I was more upset about that a few weeks ago, but now it's like whatever because you're not really throwing out guys like Jorge Alfaro as the DH. That's what upset me most. Mm-hmm. The bullpen thing is what gets me. Because I don't remember exactly which game. I want to say it was maybe in the Mariners series. Maybe it was the first game of the Blue Jays. Whatever. I just remember this specific scenario where John Schreiber... It was against the Mariners. John Schreiber came in and he gave up two runs, I think, in his first inning. So it was 3-2 to two Red Sox. Not a great outing from John Schreiber. Whatever. But then Cora puts him out there for another inning. 
And it's like, what are we doing? And Schreiber's over 30 pitches now. He gets the first two runners on. And I believe the guy he puts in is Richard Blyer, who... Yep, it was. Yes. Who is awful. Um, here it is. Yeah, I found it. Also, Cutter Crawford was pulled in that game at 81 pitches. He was dealing he was a dealing. shutout. Yeah. Why are you pulling him? He's a starter at this point. He's been stretched out for a while. So he kept Schreiber in for a second inning, over 30-plus pitches. Couldn't get an out. Blyer came in and blew it because he's awful. Bernardino hadn't pitched in three days at that point. It's just there's two issues with that, and there's two different types of people who get upset about this. It's the Heim Bloom didn't give us enough bullpen depth. What option did Cora have? And then it's the why is Alex Cora doing this? You had this different guy that you could go to. Both are valid, and that just speaks to the problem is very big because there's two different parts of the problem. Um, I think though the whole Heim Bloom didn't give you enough guys thing. Yeah, that's a big part of the issue, but it only gets you so far because that's not going to change. Trade deadline's passed. You're not getting more guys. Now it's on Cora to manage this team as best that he can and put his guys in the best situations to succeed, which I feel like with the bullpen, he doesn't really do a lot. Like, there's different... I think there was one game, too, where Chris Martin pitched the seventh in a one-runner tied game, and then Joe Jakes was out there for the eighth. Surely we had someone better out there than Joe Jakes Just to pitch in the eighth inning. Can't be our setup guy. At least, at least put him in the seventh and the Chris Martin in the eighth. Like I guess he's playing matchups, but there's no excuse to have that guy out there in the eighth inning. It's, it's just a, it's a complicated problem with not having enough guys and Alex Cora not making the right decisions. But to kind of go back to what we were talking about, Garrett, about is Alex Cora the right guy to manage this team in the future? I don't think that he's the heart of the problem with the coaching staff. Maybe in the clubhouse there's an issue, but Carlos Fablis is the third base coach, but he's also the infield coach. The infield defense has been awful. Someone is is not screaming yeah. at th- or something. Dave but Bush other teams is don't not have a good this, pitching other coach. Other teams don't have this problem. I know they don't have this problem. I, I don't know. When there is a problem and you don't know where the blame is really directed towards and you've had a problem for multiple years, that just screams we got to shake something up. That's what happens in baseball. If, if your lineup is not scoring runs, you shake something up. You move around the order. You get a different guy in there. On a bigger scale, if your team is just consistently having defensive problems and streakiness and bipolarness that they've had, you got to shake something up, whether it's getting Heim Bloom out of here, which I think they need to do, whether it's um, shaking up the coaching staff, maybe a different bench coach, new pitching coach. I, I don't want to clean house totally. I'm kind of, I don't know. I wouldn't be upset if Cora left, but you have to have a good option to replace him with. I don't know who that is. I don't think Jason Veritek quite fits the role. Probably not Veritek. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's good in the role he has now. I don't think Dustin Majoroy is ready to coach. I think he still wants to be with his kids. Um, I don't know who out there is a good option. I think Jared Saltalamakia could be a good option in the future. Maybe not yet. Uh, So I don't know. If you have a good replacement for Cora, then sure, that's fine. If you don't, then Alex Cora should stay because... He has a, a relationship with these guys, with Devers, with uh, Brian Bale, with Connor Wong, with the younger guys. He's kind of seen them and tried to develop them in certain ways. So I'm fine with him staying, but pitching coach, hitting coach, bench coach, infield coach, third base coach, those two are the same guy. I think all those guys are fair play to leave. Yeah, and I, I think it's easy for us to look at you know the, the top where you look at Cora and you put all the blame on him, but it, especially in this, in this league, the... Those guys matter significantly. They do. I mean, Ron Washington, the third base coach and infielders coach for the Braves, he totally changed that team in many ways and been a huge part of why they're they're winning and won a World Series and why they're favored to win another one. Um, and that's just a third base coach, but they they matter. It, it matters. I mean, why why can't why hasn't Devers figured out third base? 
it's like like a significant thing to me that I keep thinking about. It seemed like he did. It did seem like he did, but what what yeah, what happened? Because it just seems like his you know I'd love to see like a side by side mechanics thing, but it seems like he's regressed like significantly. I don't even know how much of it's mechanical. From what I've seen, he won't throw the ball over. Th- he's <laughs> he won't throw the ball overhand. I, maybe yeah. that's his thing, but your thing ain't working, dude. I don't know. There's, I think it's I, something in his head, though. I don't know what it is. Maybe there's too much pressure on him with the new deal to kind of be the face of the franchise. pressure is there? Your team sucks. <laughs> Honestly, like you could, he could not be in a better spot. He has. He's young enough to blame veteran leadership, to not have to take that full role. You have a guy like Turner who you can kind of bounce that off of. You know, when you were, like, talking about the veteran leadership, I'm like, oh, I mean, you paid this guy all that money. Maybe he should be the, the leadership. I mean, we're getting to a point where Devers is going to be a veteran in a couple of years. This is what is... That standard's got to be there soon. If he's going to be that guy... He debuted in 2017. Season? Yeah, this is his seventh season so, in the league. Yeah. His outs above average or third percentile, by the way. That's your star player right there, and he's third percentile in outs above average. Arm strength is 40. Third percentile? Third. Yeah. And I'm Wait, looking like, at it now. Like 3%? What do no, you mean? Thir- like, oh, third percentile? Like How he's does- in the bottom 10% so, of all players. Yeah. Oh, 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 like oh, 97% of players are better. That's what I meant. All right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's what I thought. Um, and I'm looking at it now. <laughs> yeah. he, I thought he you guys were like questioning my whole statistic <laughs> knowledge there. I was like, Wait, what? Is that no, he's been bad. He has one less Red Sox error this season than Kike. He's at 14. Kike is at 15. I think, yeah, that's that says a lot right there. But I think another thing, I've seen this like on TikTok and Twitter and stuff. Uh, third baseman with the most errors this decade, Rafael Devers is number one heavily. He hasn't even played a whole decade of baseball, and he's number one. That says a lot right there. Um, I think that we're onto something here with how Devers is kind of the face of this team, um, and he's a defensive mess. So when the face of your team is defensive mess, the rest of the team is probably going to be defensive mess too. I, I think that's a, a good point. Is he the most vocal kind of guy? No, I don't think no, he is. But he's not. I, I think that's okay. Like I don't think your best player needs to be your most vocal clubhouse leader. I think there are other guys that can fill that role. Like I don't think Mookie Betts is much of a leader, but he's a spark plug player. I, I guess I disagree. I feel like Mookie Betts... He's become more of a leader now with the Dodgers, more vocal. But when he was with the Red Sox, he was not. I don't think. Bogarts was the leader of that team. Man, they do not look intimidating, the Red Sox infield especially. The infield, I mean, Trevor Story is going to help that a lot. Trevor Story is one of the best defenders, so sure, I think that's going to help he, If he plays well, I mean, this this surgery wasn't something, it was what, a, a step below Tommy John? Yeah, it's so like, missed a, like alternative half the to Tommy John. See, that's, that's, I'm still nervous about that too. He's to looked totally good honest. in AAA. I mean, that can mean whatever it means, but he says he's felt better than he's felt in a while his arm feels very strong okay well um, he also couldn't hit before he got hurt but true i there's a there's a lot of question marks like i said you don't know where you're gonna get from any of these guys coming back from injury best you, case scenario they help i just think you look at like you're you know if we were the red sox management we hashed this all out we don't know what we're gonna get with those guys sales probably gonna get hurt again you know a little tidbit from joey who's on vacation uh, he said the red sox have negative 51 outs above average the next lowest team is negative 18 that's not good Oh my gosh, that's not good. That's um, so bad. Yeah, negative fifty-one. You should have seen me, dude. I lined up nine uh, second graders and their two counselors at camp, and I was like, "All right, let's play kickball. I'm gonna try and get all of you out." And I got five of them out. One of them third baseline, sniped him with the dodgeball, running to first base, and then the two counselors were up. 
caught one, bases loaded, ball goes up in the air, floats around a whole bunch of times. Off my fingertips. I felt like Jaren Duran. It was so sad. I lost it in the sun, and I didn't get them all out. I was going to say that I could step in and be better than them, but after that experience, I don't know if that's true. Anyway, I don't, yeah. I don't think a fly. I don't think a fly ball on a baseball field acts the exact same way as a kickball. So, so in theory, I'd catch the baseball. So I, yeah. I would say yes. If you were camped under the kickball, then I think you could be camped under a baseball. I was ready to go. It moved like a seven different ways in the wind that I dropped it. It was tough. But yeah, I don't tell the kids to watch Red Sox defensive film. I tell them to watch um, uh, whatever that guy janitor throw dude, Coach Coach Kent Murphy. Janitor? Oh yeah. <laughs> um. One thing I'd like to bring up, we were talking about Alex Verdugo and kind of his future with the team. I don't really want to get into too much of that because we have, whatever. But one thing that I was thinking about, um, top Red Sox prospect, I'm kind of stalling while I bring up the numbers because I didn't have him ready. Sedane Raffaella. Mashing. Is a freak. He has been mashing in AAA. Um, still pulling it up here. <laughs> Basically, he's homer in five straight games. I know that for sure. Um, and he reminds a lot of people of Mookie Betts. I believe he's like 5'8". He's a defensive wizard in the outfield. He's super fast. He can steal bases. He's 5'9", okay? Um, but uh, his defense has always been heavily above average. Like, he's been a very, very good defender. Like, we knew that. The problem was his hitting. But it seems like he he can hit. In 31 games with the Woo Sox, he has 11 homers, 29 RBIs, uh, a 328 batting average and OPS well over a thousand. Triple A is pretty legit. Like you can pop yeah. off in single A, maybe even double A. Some players start to struggle when they get to triple A. This dude is crushing it in triple A. Um, his ETA on the the prospects ranking is 2023. So we could see him in September by September call-ups, especially if this team is kind of out of it. When when He's can also- they rip him off and bring him up without having to pay him a salary? I think now they're fine. I works. don't know how that works. I don't yeah. know. That, that's all a scam. Hey, isn't that isn't that sort of what we're sort of waiting on? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think the point that I'm going towards is next season, if you decide to not re-sign Verdugo because of his streakiness and inconsistency and whatever clubhouse issues there I don't are, think there's any chance there. Rafaela could be a, a replacement for him, for sure. I mean, it, so you think about the outfield you're going to have out there: Yoshi in left, uh, Duran in center, Rafaela in right. You can even swap Duran and Raphael if you want. I think Raphael is probably better in, in right field. Literally just a Mookie Betts carbon copy. That could be a realistic option for the Red Sox. So if I was Bloom and Alex Cora, I bring Raphaela up in September, try him out in the big leagues, let him get his feet wet. And if he has a good spring, I mean, you can keep him in the minors in April like they love to do with prospects next season. But I could see him as a legit option to be a starting outfielder, replacing Verdugo if they don't sign him. Obviously, that's contingent on them not re-signing Verdugo. But, I mean, if they do re-sign Verdugo, then Yoshi can DH and you still have an outfield spot. But um, I, I just want to give some love to Rafaela because he's absolutely tearing it up in AAA. Yeah, I mean, he's five, five of those 11 home runs have come in the past week. Yeah. He went five straight games with a home run. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Nuts. Oh, wow. His full name, in case you were wondering, is Sedane Chipper Nicasio Marte Raffaella. Wow. That's electric. I wonder if the chipper in there Has is Chipper Jones. Has to be Jones. Jones. I mean, it's got to be, right? He's uh, 22 years old from Curacao. Did I pronounce that right? Curacao. Curacao. That's where Kenley Jansen's from. I know that. <laughs> uh, where is that? 
It's an island in the Caribbean somewhere. Uh, yeah. It's isn't it um right near Aruba? I you were asking the wrong guy. <laughs> it's just just my guess. Because that's where Xander Bogarts is from. Yeah. Um have you seen that he's like not good? Yeah, he's not having a good yeah, year. Yeah, I noticed that too. I said it once, I'll say it again. Justin Turner is better than Xander Bogarts for this team. That uh that outfield is really young. At the moment. What outfield? Um Yoshida. Oh yeah, yeah, Raphael Duran and Duran. Raphaela. I mean, That's fine. A, a well, the whole team would be at that point because then you have Devers, who's going to be in his age twenty-seven season, I think. Casas is Casas young. Is Duran young. is young. Um, Trevor Story is not that young, but your second baseman would probably be Luis Urias, who we just got, who is twenty-six or seven. That'd be a, Connor Wong. That's a young team. It's a very Brian young Bayo. team. It's a young team That's with like a, a lot of potential and a lot of talent. Like, that's the kind of young team that's either going to explode or explode the next season. Like, that's Atlanta Braves are young. Acuna, Michael Harris, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley. That's a young team. Yeah. So, young's good. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with young. As I think long the as Red Sox are one of the older teams in the league right now. I think they got to be with guys like Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin. Sales old, Chris too, Sale, Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall. Yeah. I saw the Red Sox beat the Braves. That was fun. Yeah. Y'all should go to games on SeatGeek, like seriously, because yeah. the lights, I didn't even realize. Was that a this year or last year? Oh, thing? yeah, the lights do the thing. Yeah, they, that do, was, they do the thing. Now. I, I must have gone thing. to a game, um, like a, a day game, but the, the lights with the, yeah. that was really cool. So much to the fact where we had good seats and we ended up spending like two innings in left field because like this, we saw a home run from left field yeah. and it was lit. Like all the lights everywhere. It wasn't quite this. And then we, we finished the game off in the sweet ones, but it was really cool. Anyway. Yeah, I'm a big lights guy. Yeah, I like new, light shows. New age yeah. socks. Love it. <laughs> I like light shows. See? Yeah, you got you got young like what? <laughs> <laughs> you got young things going on, like light shows, like Fenway Park's getting more modern. Get a young team in there. This yeah. team could be fun. Yeah. We I, I see the vision. The guy I see young the vision. Bring, bring back the fun socks. Too. I love the fun socks. I miss the fun socks so much. When I think was they the should last wear... time we had fun socks. I my socks have not been fun. That's what I'm thinking. In a while. It's been a long time. I've had some fun moments, but so I have a I have a point to make. Yeah. Are you moving on to to something important? No. What is <laughs> um? Every single team now has something goofy that they do in the dugout yeah. for a home run. I am so not a fan of these. Um, oh, the weights, the, the, weights. Inflatable. the inflatable weights are so dumb. <laughs> it's getting absurd. Bring back the in laundry cart. Like in theory. The thing would come up organically, right? Like, this is my... I do think I have a point here. The thing would come organically where you're like, oh, that's fun. The laundry cart we had lying around here. We're going to use it. Kevin Ploiecki's idea. The the weights are so (laughs) manufactured. Well, it started with Masa. It... So what, what what's that from? Is so in Japan he was called Macho Man. Macho Man. And so he so, lifts weights like and as a thing. And so then I think I don't okay. know if all the weights do, but I know it started out with the weights had a number seven on it. They all, no, they all have individual. They all have their own, they weights, all have their own weights. I which didn't is know that. Yeah. Absurd. Do you see weights. what I'm saying? It's like manufactured. I didn't know. I don't like that. It's crazy. <laughs> they great. have their weights with a specific number on them. So there's no like humanity in it at, at all. In Reese McGuire's weights them, like, are collecting dust. Some. <laughs> They're deflated at this point. It was something. Someone's got like a, like one team's got a Viking uh, headdress where they like stick this Viking helmet it's the on angels. the guy. It's the show. It's the Shogun helmet for. Oh show yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, a show. it's not even a Viking. The thing. Mariners have the <laughs> trident. It's so corny. 
because it's so not organic. Well, a lot it, of them. I kind of love it though. Like, I just think the whole thing is corny. Not as just a concept specific, of like doing a celebration in the dugout. It's the it's the I like literally the the identity of one person did it, and now the whole entire league copied it, and now it just has zero personality or any kind of soul at all in it, and it bothers me. Well, to be fair, like I feel like aren't the Red Sox the ones who started it? Like the laundry cart's one of the first things it I was remember. One of the first, I, yeah. I'm saying that I think there was other stuff. Well, I know no, there the Blue Jays was. did that jacket yep. for a while. I don't know if that was first or not. But other sports have it. College football this problem too, where like what there was once a, a turnover chain. The from turnover Miami, chain, Miami. U. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's like dudes on the sidelines who get a pick, and they have a ma- like a mallet. He's like holding this a mallet, or they'll give him like the stupidest stuff. These giant shit. Like none of this is organic. Like you ordered it off Amazon. <laughs> like I. It just needs a little bit of soul, man. Like a little bit of soul is all I hope for. It's always funny to me, though, like when the Red Sox are down by like eight runs and have like three errors in the game and someone hits a homer and you have to do that kind of thing. See, you don't have to do it. Yeah, at that point, just if you have a little bit of if you have a little bit of uh, innards, you ain't got to do it. Well, it's like Sweet Caroline when you're down by 12. (laughs) No, but that's for the that's for the fans. You want to know how expensive this is is for the fans, too, isn't it? In some way, how expensive it is to go to a game. Sweet Caroline if we're down by 12. Yeah, it's not for fans. No way. I. I'm a That's fan a different of well, singing okay. Sweet Caroline. I mean, if it's your first Red Sox game ever, you want Sweet Caroline. If you're coming from a lot of times, from people Japan to watch what's his name, Masataka. People don't get to come out to a game. Yeah. Imagine going to the Red Sox game and you don't get to sing Sweet Caroline. What if Neil Diamond's your fine. favorite? No, uh, yeah, what if you're, you're like fine. me? Right. So we Neil Diamond live, OG live, okay. 2013. Neil Diamond forgetting all of the words brag. Sweet Caroline on the on the game that uh, you know the Red Sox came back to Boston and Poppy did his whole speech. What if you saw him? Now you're a huge Neil Diamond fan. You missed me, didn't you? <laughs> okay, what do you want them to do instead? What's your suggestion? Maybe they have a really cool high five or something. Maybe they, they like, something that isn't... All right, let me... What would be really good They throw Instagram firecrackers on the field. <laughs> Throwing firecrackers on the field got a little bit more balls than, oh, I got my special weights. Whoop, whoop, whoop. The equipment guy gave me these. Ah, 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 Look at me. You know, you make Set some good points. Set some on fire, man. <laughs> Something should blow up. Do a nice little, uh, what is it called, shoe thing where they like the back of the shoe. Like hot the foot? Sh- hot foot. Yeah. Do you, do, think the, do you think Fenway should have fireworks when they hit homers? I think Fenway should should yes. reel something out to center field that they then explode <laughs> on command. <laughs> or, like, or like they have like a, like a, they can have like a wire, like in Fortnite, like a wire. That they could ride like like a zip line, ride something down. That just like Sox explodes. just hit a homer. It's time for the ten minute delay while we blow up Wally's head in center field. They <laughs> blow up the other mascot's head. The fireworks, the fireworks are a good idea though. I mean, a lot of teams do that now. The Reds do that. The oh Cards yeah, I know because then you get smoke um, all in the field when they're trying to play the next pitch. Yeah, it's dope. What's that stupid like Martian thing that always like gets on YouTube clips like that? Um, Orbit for the Astros. Orbit the Astros. Yeah. yeah. Blow that up in center field. <laughs> like, like get Wally to chop its head off with an axe in center field. <laughs> just throw Johnny Gomes out there shirtless with an axe and just chop it. <laughs> they should do something interesting, man. They should just have these weights. Yeah. Uh, that'll do it for this week <laughs> on the In the Dugout podcast. Um... <laughs> We the Red Sox uh, being yeah. bad to just try and get like goofy stuff, but pretend it was an accident. They should like, <laughs> like, oh man, my mistake that the fireworks shot off in the middle of your at bat. 
sorry. My bad. Or my mistake that all the sprinkler heads came up when you were warming up and all the Red Sox were comfortably in the dugout. Shout out to the pod. Why is the peanut guy walking out to the mound? What? Where did all these marbles come from? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. They get like like the freeze. He like accidentally. Oh, I didn't know it was the middle of the fourth inning. As he slams someone over, accidentally like like pushes them into the the bullpen. Oh my bad. I was just racing this random fan. Sorry. Set the fire alarms off. They do that every year. Just do it every game. <laughs> There's options, is what we're trying to say. Um, but yeah, no. We'll see you next time on the In the Dugout podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. That was an abrupt ending. <laughs>